This episode of Left of Field is brought to you by Coastal Crunch. It's granola that tastes great, made from wholesome, locally grown ingredients and is good for the planet. It's Left of Field with Danny Kavanagh. Hello, I'm Danny Kavanagh and you're tuning into another episode of the Left of Field podcast. Today I chat to Melbourne Storm player Chris Lewis. Injuries, doubts and a detour into the classroom saw the utility make his NRL debut at the age of 27. That's right, he was in the system for about 10 years professionally before he actually got to run out there and obviously during covid It was all very different experience, but we go through it all in this chat and he's a real down-to-earth great Aussie bloke. Well, keep listening and uh, hope you enjoy. Chris, uh, welcome to the Left of Field podcast. It's great to chat to you today. How are you going? Yeah, I'm good. Good. Thanks for having me on. Bit of a new one for me. Never done a podcast before, so it should be good. Don't worry. I'll go easy on you. (laughs) (laughs) What have you been up to now that you've wrapped up the season? So after the end of the season, we went to Byron, um, had a few drinks, and then I went back to the family farm in northern New South Wales. I'm out there for a few weeks, and then I've actually got a teaching job at Redcliffe. So I started teaching history and English there until the end of the term, so it's been a bit of a weird term for me. Okay, let's start off. How did the Melbourne boys take Byron? Did you go quite big? Oh, it wasn't too big. It was nothing. Oh, it was pretty big. It was pretty big. <laughs> we, were, we were celebrating. I mean, we've been locked up for a few months, but it was just a few, you know, a few of the boys had Airbnbs and we went to a few pubs and had a few drinks. It was good to be out and sort of not be locked in again. But I mean, it's, it's kind of weird. Everyone was still, you know, you had to sit down in pubs. It was kind of weird being out among the population because we'd been in quarantine for uh, pretty much three months up until that point. So Yeah. So how was the storm camp and the hub life? What was that like? Yeah, it was, it was not too bad. Like, I mean, it was we were restricted and we couldn't have any visitors. We couldn't go out. But at the same time, well, for me, it was getting my laundry done. I was getting three meals a day and, you know, I was getting to train with, you know, an NRL team. It's a pretty good way to live sort of thing. You know, on the Sunshine Coast, beautiful weather, as you know. It's, you know, it's a great spot to live. So, you know, it was, it was pretty crazy. We just sort of played a lot of board games and hung around and you know, sipped coffees a lot of the time, to be honest. Oh, it sounds terrible. Sounds like a bit of a vacation. Now you, <laughs> yeah, now you mentioned you're back on your family's farm, so you grew up in New South Wales. Tell me, were you always a sporty kid? Yeah, I was. I mean, my dad played a lot of sport. He's a footballer and a cricketer. And then he was the school principal as well at my school. I went to a central school, which is, I'm not sure if you have, everyone knows what they are. It's like kindergarten, year 12, all at one school. So my dad was always sort of encouraging me to play sport, not professionally I think just to get out and do something and have something to do in a small town and I had two older brothers and they were both sporty and a couple of mates so we'd always sort of rugby league in the in the winter and it was cricket in the summer and pretty much anything else we could have a crack at just to sort of keep busy and so what made you choose league as career path or some you know something you wanted to take a bit more seriously than a afternoon on the park with your mates yeah it's kind of a weird one I don't know I just sort of like always enjoyed sort of the sport obviously just playing it I've always enjoyed it and it's just been something I like, like doing, and I made a few rep teams when I was younger, like when I was in primary school sort of stuff, so I always liked it. But I didn't get picked for many rep teams when I was older. I just sort of enjoyed the process of sort of like training and doing weights and that sort of stuff, so I stuck at it. And then we had a pretty successful team, a couple of small schools combined, and we played in a statewide competition, and I sort of got a bit of attention from scouts, and 
that's just sort of how I, I fell into it. It wasn't something that I was pushing for. I'd always thought, I always thought I'd just go to uni and get a degree and do something like that. It was just football was just something I played on the side. I got a contract when I was 17 to go down to Wollongong and play, and I just sort of went to uni and, and did that while I was down there. So. How does a 17 year old tell their parents that they're going to pursue a rugby league career? How did that go down? I finished year 12. I was really young, so I finished school when I was just turned 17. And I went down and I had a scholarship to be a, a history and English teacher. So I had to study that at Wollongong Uni. So I studied that while I was training. So mum and dad sort of, they, didn't, they told me to do anything other than teaching because they're both teachers. So I ended up as a teacher. I didn't like that too much. But other than that, they were really supportive. They've always supported me to you know, go and do something I'm passionate about. And, and football's it. So I, I sort of, they, they sort of loved it. Yeah. So what was the first few years like when you were trying to get your career to make that next step up yeah it wasn't the most successful so when I first went down there I was living just with me and my brother and a mate you know doing things that 17 18 19 year olds do when they're sort of living out there they're struggling to feed themselves and forgetting to pay bills and all those sorts of things it was a bit wild but from a football perspective I was went all right the first year as an 18 year old I went all right then and then went up into the under 20 system which is like the development years and I did ankle in like just with the week before the first trial game, so that was like twelve weeks I was out for that, and then I came back. This is when I was like nineteen years old. Then I came back and did my left shoulder. It was another eight weeks, and then I came back at the end of the year, just playing local uh, reserve grade, and I I did my ACL. So things didn't go too well for me in the, early on in the piece. At the end of that year, I had to have a knee reco on my and a shoulder reco at the same time. So that was sort of a rough start for my footballing career. Yeah, you had a lot of misfortune. How does a young kid kind of keep the drive to go through the rehab and get back out there again and again? What motivated you? I don't know. Like, it's just sort of, I don't know whether it's well, the way I was raised or whatever, I'm not sure, but I just sort of always, if I decided I wanted to do something, I wanted to do it. And I think it was still fun to me. I, I'd played with a lot of the blokes that I'd played with as an 18-year-old and I knew that I was you know, on the, on the same level as them. They were having a lot of success playing and I was like well I'm as good as them so if I come back I'll be ready to go and I can I can play at that level and I but I just genuinely enjoyed being around you know the boys you know training and the, obviously doing rehab on an injury isn't as fun as the actual you know training and, and getting out and playing but it's just a fun process to sort of go through you know you, you know you you can go and hang out with your mates and sort of do something with your day does that make sense <laughs> yeah and then you got that chance with an NRL team signing with the Illawarra Dragons what was that like, finally getting your spot on a list? Yeah, so I'd, I sort of had a few more injuries. I had another knee reco and an ankle surgery in there. So I was like 20, 2016 before I I was playing re- regular New South Wales Cup. And, and then we won the comp. We won like the New South Wales Cup. That's like our reserve grade. So so we won that. And to, after the season, the Dragons called me up to the first grade squad. So I was pretty excited about that. There was four of the boys from the same team got called up to the Dragons. So we were all pretty excited to, to sort of go up and, and get our crack at, at the top grade, which we didn't get a crack at. So it was a bit of a letdown. But it was a pretty um, happy time for me. Obviously, I was a teacher at that point, so it was good to sort of... Teaching's good as a job, but I was like really passionate about my footy, so it was a great experience to sort of go up and start training professionally. Yeah, that next professional level, is there a big difference between playing in the New South Wales Cup League and then jumping up to an NRL team? Well, I always feel a bit a bit blessed in that where I have debuted, which is at Melbourne. It was I said this to the coaches as well. I thought it was easier to play at NRL level in a lot of ways because everyone around you 
knows their job. Maybe in, a, in an NRL system where everyone isn't isn't quite as good as the Melbourne Storm, maybe it's a bit harder. But at a cup level, sometimes you'll be on the field and there'll be the way we work, for instance, at the Sunshine Coast was the the NRL blokes come back and they have a sh- one short training session, so they mightn't understand the plays that the the Falcons boys have practiced, or there might be a bloke that's playing in the local level that's maybe not quite up to playing, you know, cup level. So there's a bit of a, a bit of disjointedness. Whereas when you play at an NRL level, everyone's trained together for four months before the the season even starts, and then they've played together and they've reviewed video and, and everyone sort of knows what to expect and they know what the bloke next to them is going to do. So I actually found it easier to play NRL. In, like the, the physical contact is bigger, but all your mistakes are covered and everyone knows exactly what's going to happen around them. So in some ways, I thought it was a bit easier. Yeah, you mentioned that you did get to debut with Melbourne. That was the second time. So you did get a pre-season with them once and then just missed out and joined the Sunshine Coast Falcons. Is that correct? Yeah, so I went down to Melbourne for six-week pre-season at the end of... 2017. After I got my NRL deal with the Dragons, I wasn't getting much. Of a, I knew I wasn't a chance of getting a game, so I left and went to the Falcons. And we we lost the Q Cup at the end of 2017. We lost the grand final. Still filthy about that. <laughs> <laughs> and we went from there. I went down to Melbourne for a six-week preseason. It's sort of something that they do to have a look at a few blokes that the feeder teams think are all right. And I mean, I got went down there. I did my best, and they sort of told me to go back to the Falcons and I'd never heard from them again. I didn't hear them for two years. So it's a bit of a, a bit of a weird one. There was sort of like a six six week taster and then and then nothing. But there's a lot of boys that have got picked up that way. Melbourne have a bit of a track record of signed blokes from those trials. I think Tui Kemikamika got signed that way. Riley Jacks got signed on the same thing. Nico Hines and Darren Shonig have all got signed just from that sort of six week pre season. So it's a pretty attractive prospect if you just get a little like a foot in the door sort of thing and they can see you so you sort of hope to get picked up. Coastal Crunch is a Perth small business producing gluten-free products made from 100% West Australian lupin. Based in Mount Hawthorne and now endorsed by Celiac Australia, Coastal Crunch can be found in most of your IGAs, Farmer Jacks, cafes and other independent food stores across Perth and WA. Their granolas are amazing. They're a great addition to my smoothies, spoonie bowls, sprinkled over porridge in the morning, or I even sneakily have it on ice cream at night time. If you want to try out these amazing local products, why not visit their website and you will get 10% off when you use the code LEFTOFFIELD. That's right, go on their online store and try it out for yourself. I promise you, you won't regret it. It is crunchy, delicious, and makes you feel good. So you finally get on a list for Melbourne and you get to make your debut at the age of 27. So you've, you know, gone down a long road. Tell me, what, yep. was, what was that like? Well, I'm, I'm very happy it wasn't a week later because I, I turned 28 a week later. And <laughs> 27, 27 sounds a lot better than 28. So, so you're the oldest that. player to debut for the Storm, aren't you? Yeah, I think I am. When did they tell you that you were going to play? So on the Tuesday, so we tra- I think we trained Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. So on the Tuesday, Craig Bellamy told me I was a, I was a chance. He sort of gave me a, a nod. And I was on a, my contract, it was like, I can't play unless certain other players were injured. It was like players that were in my position. So we had to, another player had to fail a fitness test for me to play and they had to get approval from the NRL. To play, so he goes. We're thinking about using you. Is that common? Sort of... Sorry, that course in your contract. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's called a development contract. So you've got your in the NRL, you've got a top thirty, and the top thirty can play at any point. 
and then there's like a development list contract and they're usually usually the young blokes and they're like coming through and you have to nominate what position they'll play and then if there's no one in the top 30 that's fit that plays those positions then other development list player can play so yeah, that's how I got that's how I got start throughout the year. So I had to have certain blokes get injured for me to get a run. So I was pretty unlucky. Yeah, no, pretty, oh, lucky, lucky for me. Lucky for lucky. you, yeah. Uh, it's but it's hard as well. You're waiting on a lot of pieces to fit together. So you get yeah. your first game, and obviously during COVID's a bit different. You had no crowds, but your parents still managed to come. Yeah, so like the game was on Friday night, and my parents lived in northern New South Wales, a little town called Ashford. So they had to make it down so they drove to Sydney which is an eight hour drive and then got a flight down to Melbourne and there was like you said there was no crowds allowed so they couldn't just sit in the stands so Melbourne Storm sort of found a way around it as they got them listed as the ball retrievers so in rugby league when you kick a ball like you know kick it for touch or kick for goal and it goes into the stands normally there's just fans there and they'll throw it back but because it was no one in the fans and no no fans in the stands. They sort of had to have specified ball retrievers that were standing in the where the crowd would normally be to, to throw the ball back. So I had Dad, who's got two dicky knees. <laughs> he was sitting at one end and Mum hasn't got the best vision so she couldn't really see what she was doing. So they were out there in, in charge of getting the balls back on the field. But you know, it was pretty amazing to have them there watching and, and to see everything. It was, you know, they'd done a lot for me throughout my career, so it was pretty amazing to have them there for that. Did they actually have to grab the ball a few times? <laughs> I think Dad got one. I don't think Mum. <laughs> he got one and he, Riley Jacks was actually the ball boy that week and Riley knows my dad from we played cup together and Dad pulled Riley up for a 10-minute chat to try and talk football with him on the sideline <laughs> and Riley was, was trying to get the ball off him and Dad wouldn't give it to him so he, was, he nearly slowed the game down a bit for us. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you play that game then? <laughs> oh, I only got on at last five minutes the game was already pretty much over by the time I got on there but it was pretty incredible to get on there and when I did get on the, all my teammates just kept throwing me the ball so I think I had five carries in five minutes which is pretty, pretty fast yeah it's pretty, <laughs> pretty, there's a lot of carries but they were just sort of g me up kept throwing me the ball so it was good to be out there it was pretty you know, amazing to be out there on the field with blokes like you know, Cameron Smith it's obviously someone I've looked up to and you know you see him play on TV you never think you're going to get them play with blokes like that. It was pretty incredible. The Melbourne Storm have a pretty impressive squad. Tell me, what has it been like getting to learn from people like, you know, Cameron Smith and Munster, all those boys? What's it been like this season? I don't think I've learned anything off Munster. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> no, had to have no. a good time in Byron. <laughs> Maybe had to have a good time. That's about it. No, no. Amazing club to be around for, for that reason. There's a lot of talented players. There's also a lot of like good people. They're just sort of, you know, they're normal people. They're very modest. They're very helpful. It's sort of, I expected it to sort of have a magic. I thought it was going to be, you know, mag- I'll have some sort of magic pill that, you know, this is how we play football in Melbourne, but it's all just the basic things done really, really well, if that, if that makes sense. So it's not, they don't have a, you know, a different way of viewing the game to everyone else. It's just, you know, the repetition of really, really basic things. And you look at someone like Cameron Smith, I was waiting for him to, you know, tell me something amazing. And all, all it is is just the basics done over and over again and then and being really helpful to everyone around you. So if, if he's got anything he can say that'll help every player just a little bit, then he'll he's, he's trying to help everyone out because that'll help the team, if, if that makes sense. It's a very holistic attitude towards the game. And it's not just the players. You have a coach that's pretty impressive. What's he been like in your development? Yeah, it's crazy. He's a bit of a um, misunderstood character. He's a very nice bloke off the field. He's very relaxed, but you always see the clips of him throwing things and yelling and 
spitting and that sort of stuff. But he's, he's actually a really down-to-earth, nice sort of bloke when you get him away from that coach's box. So he's been good. He's been just very encouraging. Just tell me, you know, you know what you're doing is working. If it, if it works for you at cup level, just do that. And that's sort of all they need out of you. And it's, it's always good to hear that from someone, you know, of his level, you know, of his stature. So if he's willing to pick me in, you know, in important games and, and you know, put me out there, then that's a massive confidence boost for me. Because I just know he wouldn't put me out there if he... If you didn't trust me, so it's just by picking me in those teams, it's you know it's been huge for my confidence. Have you been on the end of a spray from him, or have you got any good sprays to share that <laughs> you've witnessed? Well, I've been on the end of. I got one just before my debut, actually, and it was, it was something very minor that I messed up some, a very minor defensive thing, and he sprayed me, and then I was nervous from getting the spray, and then he. I dropped it the next pass that came to me. <laughs> I thought I was going to cancel my day because he absolutely ripped me a new one. But it's always good to see him and Brandon Smith go at it. Brandon's carrying a few extra kilos and the amount of times he's been called porky or slops or something like that. And he fires back at Craig, calling him an old man and all those sorts of things. It's always interesting <laughs> to see those interactions. Yeah. Yeah, good banter, good culture. It's what you want around the club. So you got to play quite a few games by the end of the season. What do you expect for next season? What's the aim and how are you tracking from, you know, talks to the club? It's sort of hard. Like if you look at the the roster, I think if everyone's fit, you know, I'm, I'm going to be trying to push into that 17, but if, if everyone's fit, it's a, it's a, there's a lot of good footballers in that club. So you've got to be very lucky to sort of get a jumper. So I think they were saying, like, I'm, like, I think I'm viewed as a chance to be in the 17 next year, but, I mean, if I show up at pre-season and don't quite show up, you know, there's a lot of good footballers that can take my spot. So it's just a matter of, you know, head down, bum up, and might need a little bit of luck along the way, but, yeah, you know, just put my best foot forward and see how it goes. Yeah, what are you working on in the off-season then? Well, I just started training again. I gave myself a couple of weeks off just to sort of relax, but trying to get a bit faster is the main goal, just to... Keep leg speed up because I'm not as big as some of the big boys, so you've got to be a bit faster than them. It always helps to be quick, so that's sort of what I've been working on. And then just injury prevention stuff at this point, just a lot of shoulder work, and so don't dislocate a shoulder again is, the, is, is always the dream. Yeah, keep that body nice and fresh. <laughs> don't need any more misfortune. And, but while you did struggle with the body over the years, you became an English and history teacher. Besides following in your parents' footsteps, what do you love about the role and how's it been going for you? Yeah, it's weird because it's a weird one in football circles to be an English history teacher, but I've always loved history especially. I'm very passionate about it. And I've always, teaching kids that want to learn something new, it's always, you know, teaching them a bit about the world and what's going on around them and, and that sort of stuff I really enjoy. Teaching misbehaving children, not so much. It's a bit, <laughs> it's a bit annoying, but it's always good to, you know, walk into a room and, and know that you've got something to say that, that can sort of help you know, help a kid with, you know, their understanding of the world or help them get where they want to get is a pretty amazing thing to do. With history, I always wonder what time in the history do you really enjoy? Is there a certain era that you kind of get attracted to or? Yeah, I'm a bit of a tragic for ancient Greece and ancient Rome. So Greek mythology and all of that? Yeah, Greek mythology I get, get into a bit. The Roman sort of like late Republic, Julius Caesar, yeah, I really enjoy the style of it I'm not sure why <laughs> I think it's I think it's a very important part of our our culture has developed from those times like you know the ideas that were floating around at that time still shape you know democracy and those sorts of things that were being developed still shape us today and I think it's fascinating to see where they started okay I'm gonna throw you one question here don't worry if you can't answer it but can you wow me with a fact an ancient Roman fact or a Greek fact <laughs> ancient Roman ancient Greek fact oh god what's an impressive um, one 
I don't know. I just like the origins of words and stuff. So chronos, you know, chronos means time, you know, like chronology. So put things in order is chronology. And, and the punishment from, from Zeus to his father, chronos, was to beat out time for the rest of his life. So that's what time is, is chronology. So I always thought that was like a cool like word origin. I'm going <laughs> to go, be walking around telling people this fact just <laughs> to make myself sound super impressive and hope that they don't have a follow-up question because <laughs> that is all I know. <laughs> yeah, that, that's it. Mate. I just like those sorts of things and, yeah, that, that, the word origin sort of stuff. And so away from the classroom and the footy field, what do you like to do in your spare time? How do you keep busy? Uh, well, when on my break, I like to go back to the farm and help out mum and dad if I can, which is very rarely, obviously. What <laughs> kind of farming do you guys do? Wagyu beef. So if anyone wants any wagyu beef out there, we're trying to sell some bulls at the moment. Let everyone know. I mean, Kate, <laughs> what's, the, what's your go-to wagyu beef recipe? How do you like to cook it? Oh, no, I can't say the steak. Just a straight-up Scotch fillet steak. Had it rare? Medium rare? Yeah, rare, medium rare, depending on who's cooking it. That's the ideal way to spend the, spend the days, eating Wagyu steaks at mum and dad. <laughs> oh, what a tough life you're living. <laughs> What's a motto then that you like to live life by? Am I allowed to swear on this podcast? You are allowed to swear. Um, my grandfather used to say, it's it pretty crude, he goes, shit in one hand and wish in the other and then see which one fills up first. <laughs> which, is, which, which I like. <laughs> because it's like you can talk about something all you want, but you've got to actually do something or it won't or it won't be achieved. So I've always liked that motto. I don't know why. <laughs> no, that's a good one. And I think you've definitely shown that, you know, persistence, keep going. <laughs> you want something, you just got to keep going and see what happens, right? <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I think. That's what I take it to mean. It could mean something else entirely. I guess. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much for chatting to me, taking some time away from the Bulls. I'm looking forward to hopefully we get to see you play a lot more next season. And Yeah, go the storm. Go the storm. I hope you're right. I hope to be out there. Thanks for having me on. I can safely say that that is one dedicated and hardworking guy. I actually got know him quite well when I was working over in the Sunshine Coast when he was with the Sunshine Coast Falcons Storms feeder team and he honestly works way harder than everyone else and it really deserved all the luck that came his way. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please tell a friend to listen. Uh, spread the word and let's grow the Lefterfield community. Otherwise, I'll be back in your ears again next week. So goodbye.